Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. As if the McCrispy couldn't get any better, Bacon and Ranch just entered the chat. The Bacon Ranch McCrispy, available at participating McDonald's for a limited time. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hey guys, and welcome to this edition of the Heel Tough Blog Podcast. A chance to sit down and recap a little bit of what's going on here in June on the recruiting trail for the North Carolina Tar Heels. And I welcome in my buddy Zach Hubbard, who is back with us, to talk a little bit of Carolina football and some recruiting. Zach, how's it going, man? Pretty good. Hope that you're doing well here today. Yeah, man. Uh, you know, just trying to, you know, fight through this this dead period of, of summer now, you know. We have the FIFA World Cup, but I think we all want real football back. And Carolina football, for us at least, is the main thing that we want back. So, um, you know, they've been doing some work on the recruiting trail, and that's the reason that we're here today to sit down and talk about what they've been doing. So, you know, I know you've been keeping up with it because you're one of those guys that does a great job, really, of keeping up with everything that's going on in the Carolina football world. You know, just from a broad perspective, what is your feeling as to what they've been doing here recently on the recruiting trail in the month of June? Uh, Well, from a broad perspective in the month of June, Carolina has certainly been building of this uh, 2019 recruiting class. Um, mainly on the offensive side of the ball. I mean, uh, initially, um, before June, we had four commitments, and we had, I believe, um, the long snapper, Drew Little. Mm-hmm. There was the, uh, the linebacker, Alan Smith, and then the two safeties, Giovanni Biggers and uh, Coleman Reich. And now you look on the offensive side of the ball, we've, we've gained a running back in Josh Henderson, two mm-hmm. wide receivers in Emory Smith and Walton Spotsville and a tight end in Kamari Morales. So they're, they're certainly building up this offensive side of the ball to go along with the offensive hauls that we've seen in the past two years as well. Yeah, I mean, you said it right there. It, it really seems to be focused on the offense, and I, I think – I don't really know exactly why that is because we do have a guy in Tommy Thigpen that we thought would come in and really have a massive – effect on the defensive side of the ball I think he has in the secondary for sure but you know I think it is kind of a little mysterious but we all know that we recruit the offensive side of the ball extremely well and that's been a staple of coach Fedora really since he got to Chapel Hill you know you look at it and Wilton Spotsville and Storm Duck were the two that really got it started Spotsville back on June 7th announced his commitment. He was the one that really got the momentum going. You know, I I don't know how much you've really watched uh, on Wilton Spotsville. You know, this is a guy that I feel is a little bit underrated as a prospect. You know, is a three-star, but is rated as only the 123rd receiver in this class. You know, I was excited about it. You know, what what is your take on Spotsville, really, and what do you think he's going to bring to this offense? 
Well, I certainly think that he's underrated too. And as you as you posted in your blog post about him, he's a guy that uh, has speed, and and that's something that's very important to Larry Fedora offense. He's a guy that can play a diversity of wide receiver spots. He can play on the outside, but he can also play in that slot or a back spot that Carolina really likes to use with guys like Ryan Switzer and Austin Prohl. So I, he certainly is a good prospect just in that sense is that he has really the two things that you're looking for in a Carolina wide receiver in terms of speed and his diversity of skill set. I think that he's a great fit. What, what are your thoughts on that? I, I totally agree, and you know, I didn't mean to cut you off there. I, I was, you know, he reminds me so much of Austin Prohl and the fact that he will be able to, I think, at least move between that outside and slot positions, and that's something that's so huge, especially, you know, we saw it last year when there were the injuries that happened. You know, having a slot receiver that can kick out to that outside wide receiver spot is a humongous plus because – as we know at Carolina, we've really done a great job of recruiting the slot. Some of our outside guys, you know, that's when you get into the guys that are walk-ons or that really just haven't quite worked out the way that they were expecting. And, I mean, you look at this year's roster, it's going to be no different. There are three guys that, when healthy, could be very serviceable slot receivers in Thomas Jackson, Daz Newsom, who I feel is kind of like Spotsville, can move to the outside if needed. And then Rontavius Tobroves, who right now probably looks like the third receiver on the depth chart. But when healthy, he could definitely start in just about any ACC wide receiving core out there. So, you know, that's a great thing that I like about Spotsville. One of the other things I noticed about him, he does have a wide catch radius, especially for his size. He's only six foot 195. So he's not massive, but he's not tiny at the same time. But he's got a great—he's he, got the ability to catch balls that really most people wouldn't think he'd be able to catch. So that's one of the things that I really liked about him. Um, you know, you look at Storm Duck, and this is another kid. You know, I—I I, I don't know. I underrated is something that I keep—I I keep saying, and this is—you know—I hate to keep going back to it. I wish there was another word for it. But this kid is just – nobody's talking about this kid. And to me, it doesn't make sense because, you know, ranked as the number 107 cornerback in the 2019 class, I guess the numbers are not great. He has 77 career tackles, just one interception and nine pass deflections. But, I mean, the one thing that sticks out about him, again, is speed. But this time, I mean, we're talking about a guy that runs a 4-4-1 40. That is extremely quick, and you know that's something that I just don't think you can discount. You've probably seen a little bit on him. What do you think of Storm Duck, and how big was that to get a guy like that in our secondary? Um, well, I certainly think it was a big pickup, and like you said, I, I would like another word except underrated, but there, there's really nothing else that I can think of right now. I mean, <laughs> this is a guy, alongside plenty of other guys that UNC has that has committed and then also that have been picked up as uh, targets. Uh, it's a guy that really just came into UNC's camps and performed at a high level. I mean, mm -hmm. this was a guy that was going up against a, a guy that is talked about often in UNC recruiting cycles and Trafford Brown, the brother of current UNC wide receiver, Deami Brown, and was, mm -hmm. and was winning a lot of those reps. I mean, this, this is a guy that, like you said, He's, he's been clocked in at 4-4 speed. There's even been some 40 times that are at a, 
about a four three. So this is this is a guy with elite speed. I don't know why more people aren't on him. Maybe the lack of stats certainly plays into that, but I think that's really just from a lack of experience. Maybe he's not playing against the best competition. Um, um, he's playing a lot of man coverage, which maybe doesn't allow him to get all those stats. I'm not entirely sure, but I think he's certainly a guy that has elite physical tools that we've pointed out here. And I, I think that he's a guy that can come in and be molded uh, by the new secondary staff and Henry Baker and Tommy Thigpen and really find a role in the Carolina secondary. Yeah, from what he said, Tommy Thigpen played a pretty big role in his recruitment, and he really liked Henry Baker as well. You mentioned he's a man corner, and that's definitely right. I think the best, when when he shines best, is when he is in those press man situations, which, you know, okay, the stats might not be there, but your ability to be a press man corner, uh, I mean, that's that's the toughest way to play defense as a corner that is really hard because you start on the line of scrimmage with your wide receiver and you have to be able to follow him all the way down the field and to me that's when he looked his best he was awesome when he was blanketed on the receiver he's physical at the line of scrimmage so you know receivers aren't just going to have a free release off the line of scrimmage he's going to make them work for it the one area that I did question a little bit was his run supportability mainly just because I didn't see a ton of that on tape so that's something that could be interesting, and if I do end up getting down to potentially scout him later on um, in, in the summer here, uh, that that would be something that I would definitely take a look at. But it, he's a guy that I think, if you're a Tar Heel fan, you've got to be pretty excited about this. And we haven't even mentioned the fact that he might have the best name of any recruit that we've had on this campus. <laughs> A legendary, a legendary name. There's no doubt about it. The only other one that I could compare to that is a former quarterback that played for us back in the Butch Davis era, and his name was the Count Fantroy. Um, wow. Yeah, I remember him. That that was uh, he was an exciting name. Um, but yeah, Storm Duck. I that is definitely that was something that got a lot of people excited. That actually got the national media talking uh, about that commitment. So you know. That's something big. After Storm Duck, um, you know, we had a little bit of we, we had a five day stretch where we didn't have a commitment, but then we have the big one that sparks a massive stretch of commitments. Josh Henderson commits back on the 14th of June. He's rated as a three star, but he's really one of those fringe prospects. He's one of those guys that's right on the edge of being a four star. Rated as the number 28 running back in this class. Uh, last year, 117 carries, uh, 1,395 yards, 13 touchdowns. He averages out to 11.9 yards per carry. That That is really just crazy. This is a guy that I know everybody was excited when they got, and everybody rushed to watch the tape. Give me your first opinions on Josh Henderson from what you saw. I I certainly would say that he is, at this point in Carolina's class, he's the crown jewel. I mean, he's another Mm high, high, high. Despite his ranking, he's a high potential running back, similar to the ones that Carolina got lost year in Devin Lawrence and Javante Williams. This mm-hmm. is a guy that has great size, great speed. He can break tackles. He's good in space. He has elite vision, which is kind of one of his, I guess, selling points in terms of what sets him out from other backs is that he 
knows how to wait and look for that hole and then hit it, which is, I think is very important. I think it's very important in the Carolina offense, um, in being patient and waiting for the opportunities to come to you. Um, I, I really don't have anything negative to say about him. He's, he's a guy that I really like. Uh, he does join a very crowded backfield here in mm-hmm. Carolina, but that's not necessarily a negative. I, I, I think that it shows that there's a lot of talent at this position, and I also think that it shows um, what some of this new staff has to offer uh, by the fact that Robert Gillespie is going to be his position coach and the fact that he can say, hey, I can, I've coached uh, Alvin Kamara. I've coached mm-hmm. these guys that I've put in the NFL. I can make you into the next guy. So I think that Josh Henderson is just one of many that Carolina will see in the future, hopefully, of prominent running backs saying, this is a guy that can develop me and take me to the next level. I I totally agree with you there. You said that when you look at Henderson, he's coming into a crowded backfield. Look, I'm almost certain that he knows that because – as a recruit, you're going to know the roster that you're coming into pretty well. I don't think people really realize that. And this should be something that should be extremely encouraging because apparently he welcomes competition. And that's something that you want to see from your guys. You want them to come in and say, hey, yeah, there are guys ahead of me, but I know my talent level and I want to go out there and be better than them. That's going to produce results on the field. I mean, look, this kid is no pushover. He has had back-to-back 1,000-yard seasons, and you mentioned it. You know, his speed is is very good. He's a guy that can really do both. You know, I looked at him. The acceleration for me is is one of the key things with him. It allows him to burst through the line of scrimmage, and that's going to take the pressure off of the offensive line, something that, you know, in past years we really haven't had. We haven't had that guy that can get through the line of scrimmage quickly. There's one thing to have speed, another thing to have acceleration, where when you get the football, you are able to immediately show some speed to get through that line of scrimmage and get to that second level. So, you know, you mentioned ball carrier vision. I, I thought elite as well. Um, the best thing that I really like from him is he keeps his feet moving no matter what. This is something that if you played football or if you've been around football, you know that that is a key with just about any position coach, especially when it comes to running back coaches. They want you to keep your feet moving because when you combine that with the division, it allows you to find holes that other guys who stop their feet are not going to be able to get to. That was the best thing about him for me. Um, The only concern for him and probably why he is graded as low as he is, I believe that the Hun school where he plays at, that's a private school. And it's from what I saw on tape, some of the schools that they're playing look like they're probably a a little bit undersized. These these guys are not going to be, you know, this isn't the top of top competition in the state of New Jersey, I guess. But at the same time, I think he's a real talent, and I'm very encouraged to see what he brings to Carolina. So, you know, and then going on down the line, um, because, I mean, yeah, it's like you said, I don't think there's anything that we can say really that's that bad about him. We move to the night of the freak show, and a guy that actually wasn't at the freak show, he ends up committing about 15 minutes before. I was at the freak show, and I got the update probably about two or three minutes before Larry Fedora came out to announce the coaches to all the guys that were sitting in the stands. So Larry pretty much got the call probably while he was in the tunnel that, hey, I'm committing. 
you know, looking at Keenan Johnson, he's a cornerback out of Lake Mineola, Florida. Rated as the number 82 cornerback in the class, a three-star. You know, I, I looked at him, and, you know, it was one that, that I was happy about, and it continues to show what they're doing in the secondary. You know, Keenan Johnson, is, is this a guy that you've gotten to check out a little bit? Uh, yeah, I've looked over his film some, and then also seen what, you know, the coaching staff has said about him, and various talent scouts have said about him, and he's just another long, lean corner, which is really something that I think that uh, it seems like Henry Baker values in mm -hmm. his cornerbacks. He really wants those guys that are six foot, six one, even six two, kind of have that long body, and that that's certainly Keenan Johnson. And if you look at his tape, the first thing that stands out to me is his ball skills. I mean, he's he's going up, he's getting interceptions, mm -hmm. he's making plays on the ball. And that's really something that you like to see in your corners. He's a guy that I think at the next level can generate turnovers. And that's not necessarily something that we've seen a whole lot of uh, under Larry Fedora's defenses is creating plays off of turnovers. I think that it, it's certainly something that I'd like to see. And this is a guy that I think can add that element to the defense. He's very fluid. He has very good hips and coverage. And then those ball skills. Yeah, the the issue with him, of course, is that Max Preps doesn't show his stats, so we don't have an exact number on the tackles and interception numbers. What I saw on film, and usually as a high school be uh, high school player being recruited, that's what I'm looking for. High school player being recruited, you're going to put every good play on there, so all of your interceptions are probably going to be on there. With that, I have five interceptions for him. Which, you know, this, like you said, this is a team that has really struggled to force turnovers, especially interceptions over the past couple of years. I mean, remember, we are just two years removed from a season in which we had one interception the whole year. So having a guy, like you said, with that boss, with those ball skills is going to be key. You know, I looked at him. He's a primary off man or cover three corner, so he's not going to play up close to the line which is something that, you know, we've kind of seen a lot of from our corners. Don't know how that's going to change with the new secondary coaches coming in. But if that stays the same, then he fits what we do pretty well. You know, he is a strong run defender from what I saw. He, he does have the ability to tackle, and he's got a good enough speed to get up to the line and cut those running backs down in the backfield. And the main thing that I saw from him when he was hitting people, he's a hard hitter. For a corner, he is a hard hitter. That is usually something that you see out of safeties. But this kid can lay the wood. If he's out there and you catch the ball in space, if he has a shot on you, he's going to take it. So that's interesting. He could be that sort of intimidator type. Um, but, yeah, I, overall, I think he's a pretty well-rounded prospect. Really a guy that I don't think anybody really knew a ton about before he committed. But I think it's a guy that – We've got to learn a little bit more about, for sure. And then, you know, you look, the net, uh, what was it, two days later, and this is pretty much how it's been. It's pretty much been e every two days we get a commitment. So, Kamari Morales, then for also from the state of Florida, from Tallahassee, Florida, at Lincoln High School, he commits to Carolina. This is a guy that was formerly committed to South Florida, backed off that commitment a little while ago. The heels have been on him for a while. Number 32, tight end in the class, 6'3", 232. So the measurables would have him as the smallest tight end on our roster as of today. 
But, you know, I watched the film, and there's a guy that, to me, he sort of compares to that's on the current roster. What did you think of his film? And mainly, what did you think about going into Florida State territory to grab this young man? Well, it's certainly always good when you can go into states that have tons of elite talent like Florida and like Georgia and, you know, take guys maybe that aren't on another team's radar but that you feel really good about. And I feel like that's who Kamari Morales is. I mean, as you mentioned, he would be the smallest tight end on the roster, but he's certainly no slouch, uh, you know, as an inline blocker. And I really think that his talent comes in uh, the pass catching aspect i mean he he's not a small guy and if you look at his film he doesn't look small despite what you see about his height and weight. Mm-hmm. he's a guy that plays very physical he's he's getting out in space he's making catches and what i noticed about him is he had great hands for a tight end and he was really just a guy that would catch the ball and it was so hard to take him down uh for the opposing defenders whether that be uh, a cornerback, a safety, a linebacker, they couldn't really take him down, and he was always falling forward for extra yards. So I certainly think that he could be another kind of pass-catching element within the Larry Fedora offense. I think, like like you said, um, he creates mismatches with linebackers mm-hmm. and, and with safeties, and I feel like that, that could add a new element for a Larry Fedora offense that likes to throw this ball around, that likes to spread out the field. Uh, whether that be to running backs, to slot receivers, and perhaps to tight ends. Um, So I certainly like this pickup. When I saw the tape, I thought the exact same thing that you just said uh, just a few (laughs) seconds ago was that I thought when I watched it, he looks a lot bigger than his measurables are. You know, I couldn't believe it. I had to double check it. I went back and watched the film actually a second time, and I was like, this – I don't know if these measurables are right because this kid, he, he looks bigger than, than what they're saying he is. But, you know, you said I, he is really good with catching the football. I like the way, you know, he, he's able to run routes pretty well. You know, there were a couple that were rounded off. But, you know, at the same time, you know, that as a tight end, you're not always going to be the crispest route runner out there with a the the thing about me for me is four six two speed. That's very impressive for a tight end, and you know that's probably the fastest that Carolina's seen probably since Eric Ebron. So, you know he, he's going to be that pass catching threat. Last year at his high school in Tallahassee, he had fifty seven receptions for six hundred and three yards and nine touchdowns. All of those numbers led his high school. So you can tell that this guy can be a go-to receiver if needed. He And it's like you said, he is a good inline blocker. That's something that the Tar Heels really haven't seen from their guys. A lot of their guys are not used to being able to block in line. Believe it or not, Brandon Fritz was not a tight end when he was in high school. He was actually a wide receiver at Mentor High School. He was thinner. He kind of just put the weight on as he went along, and that's something that Morales could do as well if they want him to put weight on. But what I'm saying is a lot of these guys are not used to having to block. Jake Vargas did not block when he was in high school. He was primarily a receiving threat. Carl Tucker, I think, is probably the best blocking tight end on the roster. And that's the guy that I kind of compare Morales to. I think he has that ability to catch the football like Carl Tucker does. And I think also he's got that ability to block if needed. I don't know how much that will be needed in the Tar Heel offense because – We've had those those H-back type tight ends before, but that was mostly towards the end of the Butch Davis era. 
during the Everett Withers era, and then maybe just a little bit early on in the Fedora, Fedora era. But now it's it's kind of changed direction, and it's almost strictly receiving tight ends that are on the roster. One of the things, he'll have the learning curve. He's going to have to learn a more complex route tree because there were a lot of basic routes. Um, he, he was a guy that had a lot of screen plays as a tight end, which I think is very interesting and I think showcases his speed. But he's going to have to learn a more complex route tree for sure at the next level. Emory Simmons then gets picked up on June 20th. And this was the one that, I, I don't know about you, but I was extremely excited about this pickup. Flipping him from Indiana. Rated as the number 89 wide receiver. A little bit smaller, but from what you saw on tape, what is what do you get from this guy? What do you think he's going to bring? Well, I think that Emory Simmons certainly rivals Josh Henderson as uh, kind of the crown jewel right now of this class. And this guy, despite what you look at in his ranking numbers, this guy is elite uh, as a wide receiver. He's a guy that can get out in space. And what sticks out to me uh, is just his hands, just his ability mm -hmm. to go up and catch passes and just pull things in. I mean, you look at his tape, like uh, you um, said also in, in your article on uh, Little Tough blog, uh, he, he was going up and he was even making one-handed catches. So right. This is a guy that, I mean, just makes receptions, makes plays, has good speed too. Um Something that I think that we both agree that may be an area to work on is his ability to separate. Mm -hmm. But I think with those kind of aspects that we see already, that he's a guy that, if anything, is a, a guy that will make plays for you. He's a guy that will be a sure thing with the ball and will, will get you those yards that you need. And you look at it, he's a guy that got invited to um, an elite event this coming week, I believe, or this coming mm -hmm. weekend in, in the opening finals. He's a guy that has national attention and has national eyes on him as a wide receiver. Yeah, and, and that's something that is massive. A lot of people may not know that the opening finals are this weekend, but the opening is the biggest recruiting event that they have throughout the entire country. That's the one that everybody wants to go to. These A lot of these guys that are committed – or the top prospects in the country. Most of, I mean, it's pretty much just, it's it's like an Alabama event with just a bunch of other people sprinkled in, it seems, most of the time. But, you know, this year, I, you know, I look at the rosters and the Heels do have some a, a good amount of targets here and they have Emory Simmons, as you mentioned. He is part of Team Elite, if I remember correctly. So he will have, you know, the, I, I saw the roster. There are plenty of great players that he will be playing with. This is his chance to shine. And, you know, I, I don't really think it matters, though. We kind of know what he is, and you said it. He's got the speed. He, his hands are impressive, to say the least. His ability to adjust to passes is what really, I think, surprised me and really elevated him on my list of the guys committed in this class because I'm with you. Henderson was a great tape to watch, and the same thing with Giovanni Biggers. This one may have been the most impressive, though, because his ability to there, – there were two or three balls that were thrown over his shoulder on the sideline, and he leaned out and made the catch away from the defender. I mean, that's something you just don't see at the high school level. Very, very rare that you're going to see kids make that catch. That's going to be a drop because they're going to try to stay close to the defender and go up and get the football. They're not going to be thinking, let me try to fade away and catch the ball towards the sideline. 
that's something that you, you just really don't see. But I'm with you. The concern to me is the ability to separate from defenders. He runs a 4-4-7-40, but, you know, at times it, it seems like the defenders are really able to stick with him. And you're playing in the ACC. It's, it's not going to get any easier. I'm going to tell you that much. These corners are NFL bound. So he, he's that that's one thing that I want to see from him is his ability to get away from some of these defenders. But... You know, I, I mean, everything else is pretty much top-notch. His hands are great. He can be that guy that can also catch the ball and, and run after the catch. You know, he knows how to make defenders miss. Saw it a couple of times on tape. So this kid is someone that a lot of Tar Heel fans, you know, if you don't know this name, you need to know this name. Keep an eye on the opening. You know, see if he ends up having an impact because, remember, Last year, granted, he was rated a little higher than this. This is where Jordan Adams ended up elevating his stock to where it ended up finishing inside the top 20 in the entire country, according to 24-7 Composite. Now, you know, that that's combined with all of the different recruiting websites. So you take that with a grain of salt if you want. But this is the chance for Emory Simmons to make his stand. And then the last guy that we'll talk about that is committed to the class, he just committed on the 22nd, just a few days ago. Uh, that's Brandon Harrington, the outside linebacker from Northwood High School, right here in North Carolina, Pittsburgh, North Carolina, rated as the number 111 safety in the class. You know, this is one of those ones we actually ended up offering him just three days prior to his commitment. I watched the tape on him. To me, He's he's sort of a confusing prospect as to where you're going to put him. What did you think about Brandon Harrington overall? Uh, well, just for some background on this guy, I mean, he's he's a local guy that just came into camp and really had a, a good performance for the staff, and the staff really liked him. Mm -hmm. But he is somewhat of an interesting prospect. I mean, he, he's lifted, listed as a safety right now and plays primarily as a strong safety, as an in-the-box safety, but they really like him at linebacker. Um, so there, there is going to be uh, perhaps some time, some a learning curve there, if you will, of not only learning learning the position, but also gaining some weight. Um, mm -hmm. 247 Sports right now has him at 6'1", 195. Right. Uh, when, when he was at uh, the UNC camps, they listed him as 6'1". They said he was about 205, so about a 10-pound difference, but still – He's going to need to gain some weight, maybe 10, 15 pounds, if he wants to be a competitive linebacker in this system. Um, but what they, what the staff really sees uh, Harrington as right now is somewhat of a coverage linebacker, so mm -hmm. a, a linebacker that they put in on passing downs, a guy that can help you in run support, but that can also line up um, against tight ends and even uh, running backs and even some wide receivers on occasion. And this is certainly a guy that can do that. I think he's a guy that moves well in space, but then also has that tackling ability. It's really just um, putting that weight on him and getting him a little bit more physical uh, to play more of a run-heavy position. On t they showed a video yesterday on Rivals.com, which comes from the Rivals Three Stride Camp. It's what they do to find out, you know, for their elite event, you know, you have the opening for Nike. They have the Rivals Five Star Camp that they end up doing. I don't remember exactly where they ended up doing it at. But uh, here in Charlotte, in the local division, he ended up going out there, and he was a guy that was he was listed as a defensive back because they made him go through defensive back drills. And they showed the video yesterday of him basically 
in cornerback situations because no matter if you're a safety or corner, they put you in those drills and, and they make you cover these wide receivers. And I'm going to tell you, for a guy that's potentially going to play linebacker and was primarily an in-the-box safety, he did a really, really good job of staying with wide receivers. We're not just talking about guys. We're, we're not talking about, you know, running backs or even tight ends who are going to be slower. You're talking about elite wide receivers out here because in the Charlotte area, they do contain some of the best wide receivers really throughout the country, as we've seen over the last couple of years. He did a sensational job, and that's something that I think should be very encouraging. The thing is, you know, they want he's listed as a linebacker in on some websites and he's listed as a safety on some others. So it's kind of confusing. We don't really have a hybrid spot, but I see him as probably that weak weak side linebacker, probably in that role that Cole Holcomb plays right now. He had four interceptions last year, 13 pass deflections. So we know he knows how to pass cover. I think the thing that's going to be important for him when he comes on campus, he's got he's got to get in with those linebackers. He's got to get in with Mike Eckler, and he's got to really be able to learn how to adjust and how to be able to become that tackler that he's going to need to be at that linebacker position. One of the guys that can really help him is Jeff Schottmer. Most people will not remember that Jeff Schottmer, when he came in as a walk-on at Carolina, he was actually a safety his first year on campus. He actually was part of the defensive backfield. So... He's going to be the best guy that can help him with that. Hopefully, he stays on the staff again next year. If he does, that's the guy that he really needs to focus with. Because, you know, I saw it on tape. He has pretty good sideline-to-sideline ability for a safety. And that's something you're going to need at linebacker. But I think really his role is is going to be a third-down linebacker that can cover. I see him kind of, especially at the size, when I heard that, he reminds me at that size of Aiden Bonilla. That's kind of the type of guy he can be. And Aiden Bonilla, as we saw last year and the year before, when needed, Aiden Bonilla can be effective. He can be a guy that can come in and really help you because he developed his his tackling to be on a college linebacker level. That's kind of what we're waiting for on Brendan Harrington, and that'll be something that we'll have to see. But, you know, clearly the Tar Heels saw something in him. You, you were right. You mentioned he was a camp standout. and you know, for him to get offered and then three days later commit, the Heels clearly wanted him and really put in a good effort to get this guy. So who knows? Maybe they're seeing something we don't know. Maybe that's something that Tommy Thigpen or Mike Eckler is telling Larry Fedora, hey, we really wanted this kid. And, you know, now he'll be a part of that class. So looking back on those commitments, are there any of those guys that you want to talk about a little bit more or should we move on to talking about some of the guys that we've got to keep an eye on coming up? Um, I don't really have anything else to say regarding uh, this right now. I just uh, probably wanted to move on to say an overview of where the class is right now. Yeah. So, I mean, we're, we're, that that's one of the things you look at it right now. Overall ranking is 45th in the 2019 class. So, you know, I think a lot of people will see that and probably get really nervous now. There are only 11 commits in this class. The problem is, is the ranking that I think everybody's going to see and they're going to focus on is that 11th uh, place in the ACC ranking. You know, last year we finished fourth in the ACC, but again, 
you know, early in the recruiting cycle, we were having trouble landing commits. And then we kind of picked it up as we went along. You wonder if that's the same case this year. You know, being that you are a little more rational of a fan than some of the rest of these fan in this fan base, what do you think of where this class is ranked right now? Is there concern from you? Um, there's not necessarily concern for me. There have been misses uh, in this cycle so mm-hmm. far, but I think what people need to keep in mind is that this is a staff that has four new coaches on it. Uh, it's a it's a staff that is still building relationships in this class, which I think is important to note because there was so much staff turnover. Mm-hmm. This is a class that came in, or a staff rather that came in, a little bit underprepared for this cycle, and and those things happen. A lot of the primary relationships that you make with the upcoming class are made in the year before. So there, there's that sort of step back that Carolina had working against it. Um, and I think also you look at last year's class as well, and like you said, this that was a class that was somewhat um, maybe appeared to be struggling at this same point in the cycle. Uh, and then you look at how the class ended, and they went and got um, – guys from areas that they may not have usually got guys from. You look at guys like Matthew Flint and Gavin Lewis that they went down kind of into uh, states like Mississippi and Alabama and got, and then you look at prospects that they came in too late and got guys that decommitted um, or that were vastly trending somewhere else like William Barnes and uh, Anton Green. So I, I certainly think that there's still time. Uh, for this class to get some of those uh, high-profile guys that maybe some Carolina fans are looking for. Uh, But another point that I think is important to keep in mind is that this is going to be a smaller class. This is going to be a class of 20 to 22 guys, and when you have a smaller class like that, it makes it a little bit more difficult for you to be aggressive on the recruiting trail and to hand out a lot of these committable offers because they're saving spots for their main guy. So if that main guy doesn't work out, that puts you in a little bit of a disadvantage on the recruiting trail. So to the rest of uh, Carolina's fans, I would say just be patient, just wait, uh, trust in the staff, and then I think also trust in the staff to have an improvement on the field this year. I think that that's really what you should be looking for to help this recruiting is just, despite the injuries last year, to not have a year quite like that this year, and then also look to – the 2020 class it's a little early to be talking about the 2020 class but mm-hmm. you look at it there's elite talent yet again in north carolina and elite talent that uh unc will be in on that will be a heavy focus in that class so i would say not to disregard this class but to be patient for the 2019 class and then look forward to the 2020 class i think that class will be one that was similar to the 2017 and 2018 class for UNC and will be a big banner class full of elite prospects. I think the key to this class, and you mentioned it with how we did it last year, we've got to close strong. Everybody has had what seemed like a run of sorts when it comes to recruits. I mean, I don't know if you saw it a couple of, I think it was like a week and a half ago, Pittsburgh had a day where they had nine guys commit to them. I mean, that's that's ridiculous. One day, I think they said that was the modern record for commitments in one day. I mean, that's just ridiculous to have that happen on a day that is not 
now a now a signing day because there are two of them. So I, I mean, nine guys in one day for them. Then I know Virginia, they went on a little bit of a run as well. The Tar Heels really haven't had that. You know, they've had where we've landed commitments, you know, every other day or so. But because we were at four commitments in the class, I don't think that it's quite had the same effect as some of these other ones have had. You know, if they get on one of those runs, that would be great. But at the same time, right now, the focus has to just be on, you know, you know the guys that you are in high standing with. Focus on getting them in and don't worry about the rest of these prospects. Everybody is worried about these guys that NC State is landing. And right now, I mean, there's nothing you can really do about it. Unfortunately, State, you know, it shows how bad last year really hurt us and how, you know, with State's success, and us struggling, they've combined together. And I think that's part of the reason why some of these recruits are going to state. But they're going to find out pretty quickly, I think, that it's not the easiest thing. And the thing that Carolina's got to focus on on the recruiting trail with these guys is telling them, look, you know, you can go to NC State. That's fine. But I'm going to tell you right now, you're not going to the ACC championship game anytime soon because you're not beating Clemson. You're just not. At Carolina, you've got a chance because we still don't know what Miami is. We still don't know if Virginia Tech is developing into a competitor again. We don't know what Georgia Tech is. We've never known what Georgia Tech is because Paul Johnson is the master of puppetry. He gets these guys that somehow can adjust to his system, and sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. There's a chance in the Coastal for you to be able to make a mark on your career and to be able to go to the ACC championship. And as we've shown a couple of years ago, maybe even back into the college football playoff if enough things go crazy. But at NC State, I just don't see that happening. So that's got to be your pitch on the recruiting trail if you're a Tar Heel recruiter. And it's I totally agree with you. People have to give this staff time. It's a new staff. And I just, I don't think people realize how big of an impact Gunther Brewer had on the recruiting trail. He was the guy here in Charlotte that recruited. So that's where we're out on guys like Quavaris uh, Crouch of Harding High School, which is one of the top uh, players in the entire country. He's a five-star. That was one of those guys that I think a lot of people were kind of wondering what happened. You know, it's not going to be that easy for Tommy Thigpen to just come in and take over and automatically have the trust of these guys. It does take time. And I like what you said. 2020 class is going to be a big one for them. And I think they're going to be able to pull in some big prospects. There is a lot of talent in that class. And the one guy in the state that I think they've got to focus on, and we are in good standing with him so far, is the weak side defensive end Desmond Evans who is one of the top players in the entire country for the 2020 class. We're in good standing with them right now. It's going to be tough to hold off some of those national powers, but that's their chance to really show, look, we've still got control of this state. And, you know, the thing is, we've got to worry about this year. we got to worry about producing results on the field because that's what's going to help in recruiting. So I agree with you. I don't think there's too much room to be worried, but you know Tar Heel fans. They always are worried about something, so, you know. Certainly, and I, I think that you can look at last year's class and see that as somewhat of a model for this year's 
class, as I said, I I think that uh, a lot of insiders are predicting that, you know, come February, you're going to see some guys that are good prospects that are maybe some low four stars or high three stars that um, were not Carolina targets or Carolina commits for a long time that are going to jump on uh, with the early signing period and with all of that and with teams building up their commitment list so quick. I mean, uh, you look at a lot of teams, a lot of teams already have 15, 16, 17, even 18 commitments. Mm -hmm. Teams are going to build up their recruiting classes quick, and that's going to leave some guys sitting on the outside. Maybe if, you know, one of these national powers sort of lose a spot for a guy, or Mm -hmm. if a coach gets fired after a season or this, that, or the other, I, as we saw last year, and I think it's going to continue this year, come February, there's going to be some movement. And a lot of these guys that are maybe, you know, lower four stars or high three stars, guys that Carolina can have some success with and can mold into really good players on the field. So as you said before, I don't think there's a lot to worry about. I think it's just looking at being patient and then looking for success on the field. I think that's your number one priority right now. Right, and you know, we'll look really quickly here before we wrap it up at some of the guys that have upcoming commitments, and there's a pretty good string here that are going on. Today, you know, we talked about it, whether or not we were going to do the podcast before Patrick Garlow's commitment or after. We decided to do it before because, you know, it's like you said, I I just, I don't think this is going to go our way, not really because of... how you know we we can't recruit I think it's you look at it there's so much depth in the backfield that if Garwo goes elsewhere I don't think anybody should be that mad because there are a lot of guys that have talent and as of right now we are only the only person we're slated to lose for next year is a walk-on in Jacob Schmidt everybody else is expected to return including all the scholarship guys so you know if that one doesn't go our way I, I think it Makes sense. Uh, that That's not one where you're left saying, okay, we should have gotten that one. Um, but there are two huge commitments coming up to close out this week. Tomorrow you've got, or Thursday, I'll post this tomorrow. So today, actually, you'll have the three-star weak side defensive end, Jeremy Lewis. This was a guy that, you know, he's from Wintersville, North Carolina. This is a guy that he's kind of, all of a sudden gained some huge momentum on the recruiting trail for himself. He's an under-the-radar guy, and now it's down to us, Duke, and ECU for him. So tomorrow is a big day for him. You know, I know you probably you probably know a little bit about him. You know, how, how big do you think that commitment would be to land one, a pass rusher in the state? Um. Well, you look at Jeremy Lewis, he's a guy that he's certainly narrowed down his list and he's going to make his commitment soon, but he's not really a guy that's known on the national stage. He's a guy that plays all over the field at his high school. He plays tight end, he plays defensive end, he plays linebacker. So uh, with uh, the two linebacker commitments that UNC already has, I think that's where they liked him. I, I don't know how hard they're pushing for him right now. Uh, if they were pushing for him hard, I think they would push for him as a defensive end. But I think that's also a position that UNC has some depth at and that, um, as you said, uh, 
looking to strengthen in 2020 with elite guys like Desmond Evans. So I'm not sure how much of uh, a push there is from UNC to take his commitment right now. But then there's some guys later on this week, I believe Friday, uh, June 29th, we'll see an announcement from three-star offensive tackle Tristan Miller. Yep. Uh, I would dare say UNC's top target at offensive tackle. They're looking to take mm-hmm. on the offensive line. They're looking to take two tackle types this year. So Tristan Miller would certainly be the number one target. I think UNC is in a really good spot with him oh, yeah. uh, going forward, though he did have his last visit with NC State. I do think that UNC is in a good spot and has a really good shot at getting his commitment. And then later on next week, uh, Monday, July the 2nd, there will be an, an announcement from uh, another camp standout, another really good wide receiver in Raekwon Anderson. I believe he's out of um, – South Carolina or Florida, I can't remember which, but just a guy that dominated in camp, showed his speed, showed how he had great movement, and another guy that Carolina would really like to have uh, at that A-back position. Yeah, you mentioned Tristan Miller, and and right now, I'd agree with you on the offensive line, he's probably our biggest target. And you mentioned that he finished up with NC State. I think that probably will concern a lot of people. I don't really think it should. I think it doesn't really matter who you finish up with. I guess I maybe because it's fresh on your mind. But I think that you know this kid has has had these guys after him for a while, and you know he's gonna make whichever decision is best for him. You know you wonder, you know, with all the commitments that NC State is getting. Yeah, they're, they're going to start to – eventually they will run out of scholarship spots. So that's something that I think may start to creep into the mind of some of these recruits. And Tristan Miller, you know, he has a good connection with Carolina. He was there at the freak show. I remember seeing him, although he did not work out. But, you know, I, it's down to us in state. I would go in being, you know, somewhat confident. You know, you have to be confident that you can land these guys – and you have to be confident in the staff. He really likes Coach Kapilovic, so maybe there's a chance there. And if they do end up landing him, that would be a great guy to have on the offensive line. I remember seeing him last year. He plays right here in Charlotte at uh, Charlotte Country Day. I remember seeing him. Uh, he played both uh, offensive tackle, and I believe he was a defensive tackle as well um, at the high school level. Now, he will be an offensive tackle at the college level, but I liked what I saw from him. And then you mentioned Raekwon Anderson. He actually comes out of the state of Georgia and he's, he's another one of those ones that's kind of a, a, a weird situation because, you know, some sites list him as a cornerback, other sites list him as a wide receiver. So I don't know if he's coming in as an athlete or what exactly he's coming in as. I think he can play both on a pretty high level. He is a little bit smaller. He's only 5'9", 167, so a little bit shorter than some of the other corners that they're going to bring in. Might be looked at as that slot guy. But this is a guy that you mentioned. He was a camp standout. And the fact that Carolina was so was so high on him and ended up offering him, I think had a big impact on him because right now we're seen as the favorite for him. That's the one that if you are Tar Heel fans, you should be most confident in as a, out of any of the commitments. But I think all three of these commitments you have to be watching with a pretty strong eye because unlike some of the other ones that we've seen earlier in this class that 
most of them going NC State's way. These ones, I think we have a great shot at all three of these guys. I don't think we come out with all three of them. I don't know who it'll work out with, but I think we might get two or three here. And then you look at some of the other ones that'll commit later, just ones to keep an eye on. We're not going to really break them down. Uh, Joshua Harris, of course, the big defensive tackle from Person High School in Roxboro, North Carolina. That's a one. That, that's another one. He's kind of a Tristan Miller situation. It's us in state going back and forth. He's the hot. He would easily be the highest rated player in this class for North Carolina, the number 16 defensive tackle in the class. So the Heels would really like to get him. Another one to keep an eye on, July 11th will be Yusuf Terry, who's a three-star wide receiver from uh, the state of Pennsylvania. A little bit of an underrated guy. Actually, a guy that 24-7 Sports doesn't even have us listing as having an offer, but he announced back in early June that we were in his top seven. So clearly, we do have an offer on the table. It just hasn't been updated and we're in the top seven and a chance to hopefully land him on the 11th. And then one guy that I really don't think we're going to end up getting, but you might want to just keep a little bit of an eye on and see if we can't make a push, will be the big four-star offensive tackle, William Harad, who key, who commits on July 28th. Um, you know, he was a guy that was at the freak show and right now is seen as one of those power house program type of guys. Michigan, I know, is in the running for him. I think Georgia's up there as well, and Alabama's in the running. So, you know, not one that most fans would expect, but you never really know. Remember, William Barnes was one of those types of guys too, and we ended up landing him. So, you know, those are the guys that I think you've got to keep an eye on. And, of course, the Heel Tough blog will update you on that. And, you know, I, I – I, I can't really say anything else to Tar Heel fans except be confident that we can land these guys. So, um, you know, Zach, hey, thanks for coming on, man. This has been great uh, being able to recap uh, what, what's been going on on the recruiting trail and, and kind of preview for these guys what's going to happen down the line, man. Well, thanks for having me. Hopefully, you know, later in the summer, more towards the season, we can get back and hopefully look over what's happened in fall camp, kind of preview how the depth chart's going to look, how the season's going to look. So hope to hear from you soon. Yeah, man. I mean, we're definitely going to do that. Um, I've already kind of started writing each of the position previews to sort of break down the positions. So yeah, pretty soon we're, we're going to start getting into that. And, you know, hopefully they'll, you know, we'll have more frequent shows. That's going to be the plan. And then of course, when we get right near the start of the season, we'll have a weekly show that we do. And, uh, you know, that, that'll be something that I think you guys will like a lot. So, hey, thanks for coming on, man. Uh, I'll talk to you real soon, and, and we'll have to get another recruiting update, hopefully, uh, on this class. So, thanks, and uh, enjoy yourself, man. All right. Thanks for having me. All right, man. So, Zach Hubbard there joining us. Guys, as I mentioned, I am starting the previews. So, a real we, – we are getting really close. I'm telling you that much. And we're going to start having more shows. One of the guys that I, uh, you know, I, I am talking to as well, Kevin Reddick, former inside linebacker. He actually messaged me back today on Facebook Messenger. So hopefully down the line we can have him on the show. I'm still trying to get in more of the national guys. We've had Phil Steele on. We've had Bill Bender on from the Sporting News. I want to get someone on from Athlon Sports. Going to also try to talk to the guys over at Lindy's to try to get someone on from that publication. 
College Football Talk, uh, which is a group of guys, or maybe just one guy. I don't really know. It's a Twitter account on um, on Twitter, clearly. Twitter account on Twitter. Of course it is. That uh, focuses on college football. So there, I, I know him, and I want to try to get some of these other guys on that do some of these predictions as well. Some of these national-focused guys to try to give us that unbiased perspective on the Tar Heels. And then, of course, down the line... Now that baseball season is over, I am going to try my best to get my guy Pat James back on here. Pat James is one of the hardest working dudes out there right now. And I keep trying to get him back on the podcast, but the success of the North Carolina athletic programs is what's keeping him off of there. So I don't think that anybody's complaining about that, but we'll try to get him on down the line. Guys, as always, check out the podcast on Spreaker. That's where you can listen to it. Go ahead and subscribe there. You can subscribe on iTunes, Google Play. Unfortunately, I have not been able to get it on Google Podcast. If anybody knows how I can fix my RSS feed to be able to download onto there, please help me out with that. I don't understand why. I really do want to get it on there so that more people can listen to it iHeartRadio has the podcast as well, guys. YouTube, go ahead and subscribe to the page there. Anthony Pagnata. Guys, there's so many ways to listen. Go ahead and subscribe and make sure you don't miss an episode of the Heel Tough Blog Podcast. Check out the blog as well. Some great stuff going on up there. Right now, it's really just recruiting focus as I try to work through these position previews. I'm not going to release them yet. I will hold on to them a little bit. I think I'm going to start releasing them about mid-July, maybe a little bit earlier, maybe the second week of July I'll start putting them out there. So keep an eye out for that, guys. You can go to that medium.com. Now we actually have the physical blog page, medium.com slash heel-tough-blog is where you can find that. It's right in my Twitter bio as well, so you guys can go find it there. And, uh, you know, as always, I enjoy the support from you guys. Thank you so much for listening to the Heel Tough Blog Podcast. Thanks to my buddy Zach for coming on. And as always, go Tar Heels. <laughs>